0: All right, so let's go ahead and get this thing kicked off, shall we? Um, I have a goal for us today. I want all of us today to, uh, we'll have a story first and then I have a goal. So let's go ahead and go with the story, shall we? So the story, downhill skiers. Do we have anybody in here that is like an adamant downhill skier? And not like in the mountain where there's like no trees in front of you, but like the mountains where there are trees. Let's go over there. Old next door neighbor, high five from across the room. Let's go. So there is a trick to downhill skiing that most people don't know. And one of the tricks is that when you're going downhill and there's trees that are everywhere in front of you, for years and years and years, they taught you that if there is a tree in front of you, you have to make sure that you watch that tree so as not to hit the tree, right? And so it's skiers going down these hills, actively looking for trees. But the problem is, is that when you're going downhill and you're actively looking for, che- for trees, is your body has a tendency to steer towards those trees, So you have two options. Either one, go down the hill relatively slowly so as to avoid the trees when you're looking for them, or two, hit the tree. Those are basically your two options. Then one day, there was a guy that was going downhill, and he said, what about if instead of looking for the tree, I looked for the snow? And he realized in that moment, because his mind and his body were shifting towards what he was looking at, what he was going towards, he naturally could go down the hill as fast as he wanted to and never hit a tree. Today, my goal for us, church, is to stop looking for the trees and instead start looking for the snow. Stop looking for the sin that's in the world and instead start looking towards the promises of God. Stop looking towards the fault in our neighbor's eye and instead start celebrating with them in their successes, right? We live in a dark and fallen world, but that doesn't mean that we're not the light of the world. We have a responsibility today, church. So I want us to go in our next slide. I have a really long passage of verses, so my apologies for that. But I think one of the greatest places we could start today is with Moses. We sang a song earlier today about Moses, and I want to go to the 10th plague. Anyone know what the 10th plague is? The 10th plague was the spirit of death that came over all of the land of Israel and Egypt. And there was uh, uh, effectively the firstborn, animal firstborn, child firstborn of anything. When the spirit came over, it would kill the firstborn of everything. Unless there was a marking signifying that they had given themselves to God. That they were a follower of God. So let's go ahead and take a look at that marking real quick. If you have your Bible, if a paper Bible, phone Bible, whatever it is, go ahead and pull it out right now because we're going to do a long passage of scripture in Exodus. By the way, we were was talking about how I had a little time to prepare for this. Um... As a result of me having a little time, I always just go back to as much scripture as I can. So we're going to be reading out of seven books of the Bible today. So <laughs> hopefully everyone has like a phone or something they can shift between real quick. Because we're going to be doing a lot of shifting today. Cool? So Exodus 12, through 3 says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Meaning a primary, top of the line, best of the field. There could not be a better lamb if you tried. This is the lamb that you are looking for. Because if the lamb comes in with a blemish, it is not a good offering. Therefore, it must come in without blemish. Let's go ahead and take a look along. A male, a year old, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lentil of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, and they shall eat it. Was anyone here, here for the Seder dinner? You guys, you guys got that, that full story right there of the, the unleavened bread, the bitter herbs, all that stuff. If you weren't, I'd highly recommend going to it next year, but that's the beginning portion of it right there. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted its head with its legs and its inner parts, and you shall let none of it remain until the morning, until that remains, or until, yeah, until that remains, until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened and your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste in the Lord's Passover. And this is the last part and the most important part that I want to take a look at here. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the Land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Guys, today I'm talking about life on this side of the cross. What does it mean to be a life on this side of the cross? You see, the Israelites had it where there was physical blood that was written on the doorpost of their house, but Jesus' blood is already written on the doorpost of your heart. And and some of us, some of us in the room are still acting as though when the spirit crosses over us, we're going to die. But the freedom that was delivered on the cross rests on the life of you and I as we're sitting in this room right now. How cool is that? Guys, today we're going to be real joyous. We got a lot of great things to cover today, but I just want to talk first and foremost the foundation with which I'm going to be getting all of this, and that is the sacrifice that was paid for you and for I. And let's go ahead and see where that sacrifice is. It's in 1 John 1, 7. It says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The pure and spotless lamb— that was taken and sacrificed for the blood that was put on the doorpost of the Israelites was a foretelling of the blood of the pure and spotless lamb known as Jesus that was going to be written on the doorpost of our life. How beautiful is that? And one of the greatest things is that shortly after that, the Israelites were set free. The blood that marked to make sure that they were not going to be killed by the Spirit set them free. But just because you've been set free doesn't, mind, doesn't mean you still don't have a slaver's mindset. It doesn't mean you still aren't a slave in and of your mind. Right? As we're getting ready to see here in the next little bit... Um, We're going to pick up the story. So so the Israelites, they're set free from Egypt. Uh, All the firstborns are saved. The Egyptians say, you're too much for us. We can't deal with you anymore. Get out of our land and leave. We can't take it anymore. These frogs, these locusts, the water turning into blood, everything. And all of it is because of you, so get out of here. When you become too much of a problem for the enemy, the enemy has a tendency to want you to leave, Right? And one of the greatest things you can do to become too much for the enemy is having the blood of the lamb posted on the doorpost of your life. But sometimes the enemy has a tendency to want to sneak back up on you. Just because you've been set free doesn't mean that the enemy doesn't want you back. Just because you've said, I'm done with my old sinful life doesn't mean that your old sinful life doesn't want to follow you. Go ahead and take a look real quick. It says, they said to Moses, so this is, they're they're on the bank, I should have filled you in here, but they're they're on the bank of uh, of the river, Moses is getting ready to separate it, but as they're standing there, all of them, all of the Egyptians are standing on on top of this hill overlooking them, and they have all of their weapons, they have all of their armor, and they have all of the intent to go down there and kill every last Israelite. They say, you are too much of a problem for us to manage, so because we can't manage you, instead we're just going to go ahead and kill you. And so they follow him and they say, this is the Israelites speaking to Moses, they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. So they experienced freedom for a few days and instantly want to go back to slavery because the freedom was too dang hard. But the God that set you free did not set you free to be chased down by your enemies. That freedom was not a momentary freedom. That freedom is a continuous freedom so long as you rely on the Savior that set you free to begin with, right? And all that goes back to the relationship of the foundation that you have with Jesus. Oh, this last part here says, for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But let's go ahead and say what Jesus says to counteract that. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, what are you, church? Free indeed. What he started in you the day that you said yes to following Christ, he is faithful and will continue that process. Even when your enemy chases you down. Even when your old life wants to sneak back up on you. Even when the people that you used to spend your time with want to come back to you and remind you what you used to be. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And so how does Moses respond to the Israelites? The Israelites that are now begging for slavery to go back to that life because the free life is just too hard. What does Moses say back to them? He says, and Moses said to the people, fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. In the face of the enemy, in the face of their swords, in the face of their armor and their horses and their chariots, and the Israelites having no battle experience, having no ability to defend themselves, I mean, like, sure, they have a lot of people, so you can just kind of do a Russia thing and, like, throw people at it, but, like, that's all you got. You know what I mean? Unless God does a miracle in this situation, it is over. And yet, what does Moses say? For the Egyptians who you see today, the past that you see today, the history that you walked in today, the the bad things that you said, the bad things that you've done, the harm that you've caused, the sin that you've committed, all of that stuff that is in your mind that is calling you a slave, what's going to happen? You're never going to see him again. The Lord will fight for you, and all you have to do is be silent. A battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual rulers and authorities of this dark world. How do we counteract the enemy? We let God be God. God is a roaring lion, He doesn't need you to defend Him, He just needs to unlock the cage right? What's better of defending a lion, the lion or me? The lion is much better at defending itself than I am at defending the lion, right? So my responsibility as a Christian is not trying to defend my faith, but to allow God to be God and pray and act with him and love on him and deepen my relationship with him. And from that, he wages the spiritual war for me, and I don't have to do anything but remain silent in the presence of a God that loves me because my past is dead and gone and leaving me. We see in Philippians 1.6, it says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The one that set you free will see to it that you continue to be free. The only way that you can return to slavery is to forget that there was a person that set you free. There was a God that set you free. I had to learn something a little bit of the hard way, if you got time for a quick story. Um, I, I had a time in my life, I lost a couple of people that were really important to me. I found out the full weight of my mom's testimony. If you don't know that, I'm, I'm not going to go into it. But a lot of hard spiritual things hit me all at the exact same time. And I was walking around with a constant tightness in my chest. There was, there was a lot of, of, of anger, a lot of hurt, a lot of pain that I was having with God. Because I, I believed that if I prayed, God was supposed to act dependent upon my prayers. That what I said and what I did, it was almost as if I was master and God was servant. Right? It was almost as if I was saying, God, you have to do this, so now come in and do it. But the reality of the situation that I found out later is that God is master and I am servant. And when I had that realization, I understood that no more of this life is actually on me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And when you can have that mindset of understanding that it's no longer my decisions to be made, but it's the decisions for God to make for me, and my only responsibility is just when he says, move your left foot, that I move my left foot. When he says, think this way, I think this way. When he says, say these words, I say these words. Because that becomes so much easier when it no longer is dependent upon me, but dependent on the one that set me free. (sighs) But let's see what happens. Because just because the Israelites were set free doesn't mean that they walked into the promised land instantly. Just because they were set free and their enemy was destroyed and their past had been washed away, literally washed away in the Red Sea doesn't mean that those ones that experienced the freedom were able to experience the promise. Joshua 5, 6 says, For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nation, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished, because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give to us. A land flowing with milk and honey. If you were here last week, uh, Dina did an excellent message talking about the crickets that were in the mines that that stopped them from being able to take over the land of, of milk and honey. And so the people that had experienced freedom were never able to experience the promise. And why is that? Because as we read right here, they could not obey the voice of the Lord. Let me tell you right now, one of the biggest problems within the body of Christ is not that we've been set free, but it's that we're not walking into the promised land. We're still sitting in the wilderness waiting for the promise to come, but we're not actively seeking the promise. We're going down the hill, but we're still looking for the trees. We're not looking for the snow. In our world today, in what we're doing, if you want to experience the promises of God on your life, Look for what God is asking you to do. Because they could not obey, and they could not get rid of the slave mindset. They never experienced the promise of God. So here's what it says in Romans 12, 1 through 2. How do we get rid of that slaver's mindset? How do we get rid of thinking that we're going to return to our old ways? In, uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous, I think they tell you that you're always an alcoholic. Even if you haven't had a drink in 30 years, they say you're an alcoholic. That keeps you a slave. Instead, how great would it be if I said, "No, no, no. That's a dead version of me. There's a new, alive version of me that's come around. And the new, alive version of me is not an alcoholic. The new, alive version of me loves my wife. The new, alive version of me spends time with my kids. The new, alive version of me reads scripture every morning. The new, alive version of me spends every waking moment with the Father. Pray without ceasing." Romans 12 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Because a sinful life is not just a physical thing. It's a spiritual and a mental thing. As well. Um, there's elephants, right? It's a fun story, fun transition. There's elephants. Dumbo, if you want to picture of that. But anyway, so there are these elephants, right? And when they're born, what they do to these elephants to make sure that they'll stay in one place is they take a metal stake and they cement it into the ground. They make it as tight and as hard to leave as you possibly could. And then they take these chains and they tie it around the elephant's foot. And the baby elephant, for as much effort as it can put into it, cannot get away. It is stuck in one place. And as this baby elephant begins to grow, it actually, instead of needing more cement with a larger metal pole and a bigger chain, all it actually needs is a wooden stake in the ground with a string tied to it. Because it learned when it was younger that it couldn't pull away. The sin that has a hold on your life when you say yes to Jesus is no longer a metal pole concreted into the ground with a metal chain. It's a wooden stake with a string. And how many of you guys know that a full-size adult elephant is more than capable of pulling out a wooden stake with a string? Church, if you've been marked by the blood of the lamb, you are more than capable of falling in line with the blood of the lamb. You are more than capable of being set free you are more than capable of being the most loving person. You are more than capable of walking in the gifts and the fruits of the Spirit, because you have been set free. Yet a lot of times we're held back by the wooden stake and the string. But then we see in 2 Corinthians 5:17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone. And all things have become new. Riley, you can go ahead and join me up here on stage. The parts of you that weighed you down when you didn't say yes to Christ are old and gone. The new parts of you that Christ has established in you is alive and well and breathing and continuing to grow. You can't take An adult elephant that's been in the wilderness its entire life and put a wooden stake in the ground, a string attached to it and expect it to stay still. Church, you are a new creation. You are a new creation. When you were baptized, that was the sign of you saying that the old life is gone and behold, the new life has come in. Jesus, when he's talking to Nicodemus, he talks about how you must be reborn, when you say yes to Christ, you were reborn. And not only were you reborn, but you were also added into a body. It says in 1 Corinthians twelve twelve 12-13, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ, for one in the Spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of one Spirit. You see, if you have things that are inside of you that are dark and that are painful and that are hurting, Jesus doesn't just come in to clean them out. He comes in to bring something new. He comes in to bring new life, new air, new breath. We together, this church, and every church around the globe, every person that says, Yes, I believe in Christ. For if you believe in your heart, and confess to your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you were saved. You were saved. You are in this body now. One of the greatest warriors or warrior tribes in the history of the world was the Spartans. The Spartans had a belief. You see... Spartans used to fight with spears and with swords and with all manners of weaponry. But they believed that there was one thing that gave them the edge above everybody else. And it was their shield. Because when their shield laid on top of the other person's shield, they became an impenetrable force. That when 300 stood there, could take on a million of whatever wanted to be thrown at it. When we see in Romans 2, it says that your, uh, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a lion looking for something to devour. The lion looks to devour the thing that is on the outside. It, doesn't, it never looks to attack the herd. It looks to attack the ostracized. It looks to attack the one on the outside. But when you said yes to Christ, you've been welcomed into the body. We now stand arm in arm, hand in hand. Mind and mind, all that's We stand together. We say we have each other's backs. No matter what your past, because all the old things have passed and all the new things have come in. We see later on in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, that there will be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. When we allow ourselves to not accept the freedom that Christ has given us, but instead stay in the sin that we have been locked into, we are damaging to the body of Christ. And you may say, but I'm not a prominent member of the body of Christ. Let me go ahead and just take an examination of the body real quick. If you're a part of the leg, broken legs cripple the movement. Broken legs cannot push the message forward. If you're a part of the hands, we can't hold the orphans and the widows. If our hands are broken, we can't hold the widows and the orphans. We can't build the churches. We can't build the houses. We can't actually do anything to help because our hands are broken. If you're part of the jaw and that is broken, then at that point, all speech has been cut off. And we can no longer speak up or speak out or speak life or worship or praise. We can't do any of that stuff because our jaw has been broken. If you're a part of the eyes and they're blind, we can't cast a vision anymore we are stuck moving with the vision of the world because we can't see. If you're part of the body that listens and your ears become deaf, then we become less sensitive to the world because we can't hear its problems. We become less sensitive to the spirit because we can't hear what it's speaking to us. And if you're part of the mind and that's broken, then it distorts thought and it brings fear into the body. Church, when you said yes to Christ, you were given freedom. With that freedom comes life. With that life comes a body. And if that body's working, it is unstoppable. It is unstoppable. Some of you in this room, I may now maybe going, I don't know what my mission is in the body of Christ. That's because right now a lot of us are still walking in the wilderness in order to get to the promised land. The promised land is finding your role in the body. The promised land is you figuring out what God has called you to do. Ephesians 2.10, Pastor Jim talks about it all the time. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do Good works, the works that he set up before us beforehand. There is a mission for each and every one of you in here to accomplish. A mission that God saw was necessary. And before he created you, there was a mission and then he looked at you and he said, this person right here is perfect to do exactly what I need them to do. This person right here, when they say yes to joining the body of Christ and they come alive, they have a mission and I know they're going to accomplish the mission. I know they're going to do great things. It says in John 14, 15 through 18, for if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. And then I love this part right here. Tammy, I'm sure you love this part right here too because I was thinking about you when I had it. I will not leave you as orphans. The Israelites that were standing on the bank of the river clamoring for slavery again could not see that the God that set them free from Egypt was also good enough to set them free through that body of water, to separate them from their enemies, to kill off all of that dead stuff. And then even when they got into the wilderness, they couldn't defeat their mindset of being a slave. Church, I'm a next-gen pastor, so I, I, I always view things through the next generation. You holding yourself in slavery does nothing for the next generation. You doing the hard work and setting yourself free paves a path that the next generation get to walk down. I'm, I'm nearing 30 years old. I am grateful for the people in this room that are above 60 that paved the path for me to be standing here right now. I am grateful because it made my life easier. The Wegan name before it got to Pastor Jim was atheists and really a bad stuff. There's a lot of bad stuff that happened in the WeGand name. Like WeGand literally is like a soldier, but like a hired soldier to go out and kill people. Like that's what the name WeGand means, right? And in one generation, when God made an impact on Pastor Jim's life at the age of 16, it changed the WeGand name forever because his two sisters that he has can't carry on the name WeGand because they got married and they ended up having a different last name and his brother only had daughters in one generation because one man was willing to put in the hard work. His kids and his grandkids and his great-grandkids will never know a day without the salvation of God. I'm calling you today, church, to put in the hard work so that way your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids would never have to know a day where they're separated from the love of God. Stop having a slave mindset. You've been set free. You have the Holy Spirit, and he's not going to leave you as an orphan. You've been adopted into the body of Christ as a co-heir with Christ. Stop calling yourself a slave if you're a free man. I love this next set of verses in Romans 6. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. And when you have been marked by the blood of the lamb and the spirit of death passes over you, it will not touch you. The blood that was written on the doorpost of your heart when you said yes to Jesus is the blood that when the spirit sees, he finds no fault in you, he finds no sin in you because the blood of Jesus washes all of it away. So why would we go back to a sinful life and mark up that which God has already washed away? You've been given freedom. Walk in that freedom. And I don't mean to diminish what anybody in here is going through. A lot of life is very hard. A lot of life is very difficult. A lot of life without God can be crushing. So if you're in here right now and you're facing grief, you're facing disease, you're facing pain, you're facing loss, you're facing loneliness, you're stressed out, you're anxious, you're depressed, then I'm gonna go back to a scripture that I did a little bit ago where it says, if the part of the body is hurt, then let's help that part of the body. And here's the good news that I got for you. It's the only slide that I have today that isn't scripture, but it was just too good for me not to put in. God's love will love us where we are but his love is too good to leave us there. Um, Church, if you could just bow your head and close your eyes with me real quick. I would love the opportunity right now to pray over the body of Christ. But the thing is, is that I... If the body is hurting, the only way that we know the body is hurting is because there's nerves that got sent that let us know that part of the body is hurting. If you're sitting in these rows right now and you're hurting, but you're walking around with a kind smile on your face, I'm not going to know that you're hurting. And so the only people in this room right now that are going to have their heads up and their eyes open are are the staff that are around this room because I want to make sure that we have an opportunity to pray with you. So if you're sitting in this room right now and you're saying... I'm dealing with death, I'm dealing with loss, I'm dealing with disease, I'm dealing with frustration, anger, hatred, anxiety, depression, you name it. I'm dealing with these things and my life is in pain right now. Then on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand so that we'll have an opportunity to pray with you. Okay, one, two, three. Raise your hand if you're dealing with those things. Father, I thank you so much for every uplifted hand right now. I thank you that as they came in here today, we now get to do ministry with them. I thank you for the the boldness to raise the hand. I thank you for the admission because when the admission comes, healing can come after. So Father, I pray right now for every uplifted hand. I pray right now for every person that's in this room right now who is dealing with a pain, a loss, a grief, an anxiety, a depression, Put the name on it. If heaven hasn't spoken it over them, I want to denounce that right now in Jesus' name. We are now free to live with the God that loves us so much. Father, I pray that as we leave this room today that we would be dedicated to following in the footsteps that you have for us. That we would stop looking at the trees and instead start looking at the snow that we would stop looking at the problems of the world and instead start looking at the promises of God that we would dedicate ourselves to your teaching, to your love, to your spirit. Father, I pray that for every one of those things that they're facing that that the fruits of the spirit would begin to be in them. We pray for love. We pray for joy. We pray for peace, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. We pray for an abundance of that. As the floodgates of heaven open up and rest over top of us right now, Father, I pray that each and every person in this room would have an experience with your spirit today. Father, we pray for the body of Christ to be mended, for it to be made whole, for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven father we give you all the glory and all the praise your holy name we pray amen amen all right church have a blessed sunday